you've got Chris Godwin at 22. Why do you hate Chris Godwin? I, I hate oh, him. Oh, get on board. Yeah, oh, I hate him. All right, welcome in, everybody. It is the Important Nonsense Podcast. I, of course, am your host, the Michael Jordan of mediocre advice, Steve Bonham, joined, as always, by definitively the Neil Smith of fantasy football. Neil Smith. How you doing today, Neil? I like it. It is definitive. It is by definition. You cannot argue with it. It is uh, just the facts. It is the facts. Oh, boy. Interesting week, to say the least. Uh, a lot of weird things happening. We had Melvin Gordon saying he's demanding a trade if he doesn't get a new contract. Zeke is saying he's going to hold out if he doesn't get a contract, too. So many weird things to go through. Of course, you knew that had to happen as soon as we talked up Melvin Gordon last week, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that was just inevitable. And that Zeke, talking about having another good season yeah. for Zeke. And I mentioned that, you know, he does weird things and then gets in trouble. And this isn't really that. But that's the same if he's not playing. <laughs> Get your together. Get it together. So um, we have two divisions to go through this week and uh, the following week. So... Well, let's just burn through them here, Neil. We got a lot of ground to cover, so let's just get into it. We're going to kick it off with the AFC West, and alphabetically, that would mean Denver. So the Broncos are up first. Their big move in the offseason, they uh, traded Case Keenum. They acquired Joe Flacco from the Baltimore Ravens, former Super Bowl MVP Joe Flacco, if you can believe that or not. He will be the incumbent starter. However, they also have second-round pick Drew Locke. Neither one of them very highly rated by either one of us for fantasy purposes, at the very least. Yeah, no. This this is my normal beat, and i got to tell you, you, you went from... If I actually thought he was going to play all the games in case Keenan was going to play all the games, it's like he went up from like QB 29 to QB 25, maybe, if you were really happy. But I don't think either of these guys are going to play all the games necessarily. So look elsewhere for your we've got we've got much better quarterback options for you to choose from. These are not things that you want to be you want to be drafting. These these aren't even QB threes to be interested in. So nope. All right. So running back is then where it gets interesting, as always, for fantasy purposes. Philip Lindsay, he was your big call last season. He was fantasy darling. I've got him rated number 28 overall, RB14. You've got him in there at 37 overall, RB17. So I'm a little higher than you on Philip Lindsay. Uh, why is that? Oh, it's the Royce Freeman injury from last year. It, it allowed him to kind of take over the whole workload, but they're in all likelihood going to be doing a little bit more sharing this year. So I had to, I had to knock down my boy Philip just a little bit, but he'll be, uh, he'll be full go for training camp from his surgery. So I don't have any more injury concerns about him than I otherwise would. It's just that I think with a healthy Royce Freeman, they're going to have to share just a, just a little bit more. That's kind of, that's kind of the way I have it breaking down, broken down. And for some reason, Devonte Booker, as we'll get to is still on the roster. I would, no one knows why. No one knows why. But I think it also has to do, Steve, when I broke it down, when I looked at it, and you'll have to speak to this. I think you had Philip Lindsay catching a few more balls than I did. Yeah. I right. think that's, and, the, uh, that's the difference. Currently, ADP-wise, Philip Lindsay is going at running back 21, and he is ranked consensus at running back 20. So compared to the industry, we are both high on Philip Lindsay, but that's not surprising because that's where we were last year. So, yeah, I mean, look, this is the same thing we talked about last season with David Johnson in the sense that everybody seems scared, but really it was, you know, a wrist injury. It was wrist surgery. Like there was no leg problem right. for the running back. So it's not like he broke a hand and you're worried about his hands catching the ball, which is what it was so valuable for him last season. And you're not worried about his legs and his ability to run. So, I mean, really it just comes down to, is the arm going to be healthy? And then how does Vic Fangio's offense differ from what they were running last season? So I think that's going to be the biggest thing to uh, t- to kind of wonder and question. And I think we're going to have uh, a-, a similar season to last year with Philip Lindsay. If he can play a whole year, he's got RB1 potential. I still haven't projected for 950 plus yards. You know what I mean? I still have him catching right. a huge number of footballs. He's going to be out there. He's going to be way more involved from the start of the season than he was last year, which is great. I agree with you. 
you worry a little bit about a guy that's small playing 16 games, but I just think he's going to have to share just a bit more with Royce Freeman, who we should probably pivot to just a little bit. So, so for Royce Freeman, he was the darling of last season, as uh, as you kind of mentioned. He, he was supposed to be the guy. He was in the range that Philip Lindsay is in right now in terms of uh, draft at this time last year. So it's a question of if he's healthy, how much does he cut into Lindsay's time and how valuable can he be to a fantasy roster? What's interesting is you and I have him actually on the RB list, like in the 40s. We're right near each other. You're at 47. I'm at 45. I have him at 133 overall. You're at 167. So I'm slightly but, higher just because I think he's by the way, is 35. So. So there you go. But yes, I mean, ADP right now is 40. So it seems like ADP seems to agree with us a little bit more, but. Yeah, we're still yeah, a little bit low, but I still yeah. I'm a little higher than you was all I was saying, just because I think it's, they're going to share a bit. They're, they're not going to want Philip Lindsay taking all the wax. Somebody's got to take him. And then we can just... Devontae Booker is not something you want to own for fantasy purposes. It'll be a miracle if he makes it out of training camp. Uh, there's a reason I have him at like RB65. <laughs> and Steve has him at 274 yeah. overall. It's not really something you... It's a name to know, but it's not something you want to be interested in. Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned there briefly, Vic Fangio, of course, former Bears defensive coordinator, taking over as the head coach this season... Rich Scangarella is now the uh, the new offensive coordinator with Ed Donatel as the defensive coordinator. So it's Correct. a whole new coaching staff there in Denver, uh, different philosophy, different approach. But when you look at what Fangio has done throughout his career, it's defense and running the ball, yes. which is why I'm, I'm pretty high on that. And then you look at the quarterback that they brought in to hold down the ship, right? Exactly. It's, uh, it's Mr. Checkdown. Yes. Joe Flacco. So there's, there's not going to be a whole lot of uh, just, you know, <laughs> go fast and let it rip style of play. It's going to be a lot of grind you out, play smash mouth defense. And Scangarello, for what it's worth, is the guy from the 49ers last year, the author of that ridiculous George Kittle uh, season. So there's a lot of high hopes. And then they went out and they actually hired Mike Munchak as their O-line coach. They actually managed to hire him away from Pittsburgh because I guess he wanted to come out here to retire because he's got family from out here. So he's the new O-line coach desperately trying to fix the Denver O-line, which has been bad forever. So so at wide receiver, we've got Cortland Sutton, who was a hot ad at the end of last year. I have him at 137 overall, my wide receiver 46. Consensus-wise, he's actually wide receiver 38. So Cortland Sutton's a guy that I like. But I'm a little low on him because of the Joe Flacco effect. You are actually pretty high on him there at 38, tied with consensus, 89 overall. Can you I make am. me more optimistic about Cortland Sutton? Yeah, I can, because this is where I'm expecting Cortland to take that second step. And for what it's worth, he's going to take on that Demarius Thomas role, which Case Keenum could never get it to. Joe Flacco is, you know, warts and all he's going to have more of a chance at get, being able to do that kind of thing. It's a big year two for this guy. He was a huge prospect coming out last year. And the biggest thing is it's, uh, it's Scangarello. So it's an, it's, a, it's an offensive coordinator that at least has shown in the past, unlike previous people that were running the show in Denver, he's at least got some level of creativity and ability to look at a team and go, okay, these people are good. And Cortland is a cut above everybody else that's on this list. But I'll tell you, the biggest, the biggest thing is, it's uh, it's the risk that I have uh, built into Emmanuel Sanders that actually then feeds Cortland Sutton higher up to the top. So I actually found I actually find myself I'm going to own quite a bit of Cortland Sutton shares this year. I think he's going to be taking a huge leap forward. Yeah, and you mentioned Emmanuel Sanders. He of course is uh, coming off the injury last year, not expected to be back until sometime either later this month or early into August. So. It, his kind of production and consistency this season that we're so used to and accustomed to with him, we don't know because he doesn't have the time to learn the offense. He doesn't have the time to work with Joe Flacco. Yep. I think he's going to be behind for at least the beginning part of the season, and that's part of my reasoning for having him lower. Now, me, I have him at 47 right behind Cortland Sutton, and I actually kind of just grouped them all together basically because of the right. Flacco effect. I put them all in the same tier at wide receiver. So like I said, I had Sutton at 46, but I have Sanders at 47 and Hamilton at 49. Like Hamilton has upside as well, 
But, you know, Sanders is the veteran. Uh, Sutton is the big upside guy. It's just a matter of who do you think is going to emerge from there? And it seems like you're saying it's going to be Sutton. I'm saying that when I when you do fantasy rankings, right, you know, you you break everything down how you think it's going to go for the season, and you kind of do that narrative. And in the course of doing that several times, the way I feel like the season's going to play out for the Broncos is you're going to end up in a situation where it's going to be Cortland, Deshaun, and Emmanuel at some point. But I don't know how Emmanuel can give you 16 games. You want to project him that way, you know what I mean? But the risk coefficient on him re-injuring himself, given his injury history, given the fact that he's over 30. Like, yeah, he's probably the most polished of all the guys. And if you could actually go through training camp, I'd feel a lot better about it. But the Broncos started training camp today because they're playing the Hall of Fame game. He's not even running with pads. So he's going to start way behind the eight ball. He's going to have to figure out the new offense, get on the same scheme with these guys. Meanwhile, we saw Deshaun have flashes. And coincidentally, you and I are actually pretty much on the same page. I actually have a wide receiver five. So that's kind of where I ended up there. The difference is that I have Manuel Sanders rated at wide receiver 73. And that's and I have him down there with Tim Patrick, who is a guy you have even lower than I do. Yeah. So it's like that's kind of the way I just I have them grouped. It's a different grouping thing. Because I'm telling you, like for me, Cortland's a guy I'm looking at to be a starting wide receiver on my team because I think that's something he can do. He's not going to be, you know, your one, obviously, but I'm saying like you could that's where that's where the most upside lies. He's the best individual player out of all of them. And They've got no tight ends and one guy who's always hurt. Like somebody's going to have to catch the ball. And I think Cortland's the one who benefits from it just because he's the superior talent to all of them. So that moves us to the tight ends. Uh, our, our unsung hero of last year, Jake Butt, has fallen off the radar, unfortunately. Noah Font, the rookie tight end, coming in at number 23 for me and 25 for you in terms of tight ends. It's a question of, you know, Rookie tight end. Can you trust yes. it, right? We always no. say no. no. And the problem is it's the Joe Flacco effect, right? He yep. loves to throw to the tight end. So yep. which is more likely to happen? Joe Flacco being Joe Flacco, throwing to a tight end, or the history of rookie tight ends not producing, continuing? And that's the, that's how he ends up kind of in this nether realm of, of you know, like 23, 25. Because if I could get all of it, the problem is there's guys like Jeff Hireman and oh by the way, even though he's not rated, Hireman's not either. Jake Butt's still there. So while they're healthy, you know, it's the curse of rookie tight end. I, I'm looking at Noah Fant as something I want to add to my team in like week twelve. He's not some that's not a thing I want to draft and sit through. Great waiver ad, yeah. That is something I want to add in like week twelve when he's had twelve games and has had an opportunity, and then one of those two guys I'm not hoping they get hurt, but history would suggest that one of the two of them would get hurt or both. And then he's going to be the last guy there. I would say he's a great, like you mentioned 12. I think he's a great add in week 10 specifically because that's their bye week. There you go. That's a great time. If you're looking at the player, if you're looking at the playoffs, you're, you're talking about down the stretch, what could be an impact player off your bench. He's probably going to be sitting out there still at that point. Look, I mean, I've got him at 23. You've got him 25. Consensus is 24. And current ADP is 18. A a lot of people buying into the college hype. I get it. I understand it. The Joe Flacco effect as well. But he's from the factory. I get it. He he came from the right. He's got the pedigree. You know, I just, I, rookie tight end, even Gronk. Go to on the list. Who was good as a rookie besides the weirdo Evan Ingram season? And then he fell off a cliff. And that, like, that's the only example I can think of off the top of my head. And everybody else, you go through their career, can't do rookie. Like, it's just, it's mind boggling. Yeah. And then, I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. I I don't know. We've, we've talked about Denver tight ends in the past. So I'm a little hesitant for that as well. And then the rookie effect, like we said. I feel like if you waste a draft pick on it, he's going to be one of the first few people you cut off your team in the long run. If you don't have a tight end, if you're one of the people that waits till the end like we are, it's certainly not a terrible flyer to take at the beginning of the season. I just think you're going to be in a better position to to take him later on in the year. Take a running back or a wide receiver or something or a backup quarterback when you're down there in that range because that tight end thing will turn over eventually it's just it's not something you can reliably sit on and know when it's going to start coming good defense the broncos come in at uh 12 for you 18 for me eight for adp and 10 for consensus and again 
it has nothing to do with the talent and Vic Fangio being there certainly helps. It's just the fact that they have to play the Chargers twice a year and they play the Chiefs twice a year. They run through a gauntlet of horrible teams on their schedule. So they have it's going to be a rough stretch for them that I don't know when I will ever be able to comfortably start the Broncos. I, I tell you this right now, it's like week four. They play in Buffalo again at 11 o'clock uh, and that they, they are so bad at that game. So that's always one that I laugh at because people are like, oh, it's Buffalo. No, great. And it, yeah, awesome. No, no. They always arrive flat. They always play bad. Like just that's another that's a trap classic trap game. But we should push on. So next we move on to the Chiefs. Steve Spagnolo comes over as the new defensive coordinator trying to fix the problems that they've had there for a few years now. That's the only change in terms of the coaching staff. They also were able to make a couple acquisitions in the offseason. Unfortunately, they cut Justin Houston. They made some uh, unfortunate defensive decisions that really didn't help them. They got Tyron Mathau, but that's I don't think he's going to save you. So. Of course, we have Pat Mahomes. He's the number one quarterback for you, me, and everybody out there. He is going as QB1. He's the consensus QB1. So we don't really have to spend a ton of time on him. We already know what he is and what he provides. We also covered it. Uh, no, wait, we didn't cover it last week. But we didn't cover it, but yes. We didn't cover it, but he's, he's on that, that short list of guys where it's like, yeah, it's Patrick Mahomes. But there's going to be some regression. That's all. So That's then you have Damian Williams, who is the current starting running back for the Chiefs. He is their RB1 faux show because we know the who the RB2 is, Neil, and he's not good at football. Yeah, so okay. for me, I've got Damian Williams at running back 18. That's just my trepidation with the entire Kansas City offense, the tough schedule they have to play, the poor line play, that all of that built into it. Uh, you've got him at RB12 just because you feel like he's going to be fed a lot. Yep, it's a volume question, and it's also look at what he did when he had the lion's share of it last year. That offense, even with a bad schedule, still finds ways to produce opportunities. So I'm not, I'm not, I don't have much trepidation at all. Their backup, as I mentioned, is the freshly signed Carlos Hyde coming over from Jacksonville. And of course, Carlos is not good at football, so don't be stunned when he's not on the Chiefs by week like eight or nine. Darwin Thompson is the rookie that they drafted this season. While I'm super low on him, and you are low as well, uh, the ADP for him right now is 59. So people are looking at that as a big upside play. Okay. He's rated 88 in terms of consensus, but still going at ADP 59. So, I mean, that's it's a player that people are certainly focusing on and interested in. But um, like I said, if I do want a backup running back, from the Chiefs, that's the one I want. If there's anybody I'm scared of as a Williams owner, that's the one I want. But yeah, I don't. I'm not buying into needing him on my roster out of the no, gate. No, I think you could also do better elsewhere uh, for the beginning part of the season and see what happens with that. So the big thing in the off season for Kansas City, of course, has been Tyreek Hill and the drama surrounding that. We still don't know what exactly his suspension is going to be, but he will be suspended in some way, shape, or form. Uh, there's, you know, reports out there that it could be as low as four games. Others are saying it could be six. I think personally it's going to be about eight. We, we don't know for sure. We're all speculating at this point. So until we know it's hard to really rate him, he's currently going ADP at wide receiver 19. I have him at wide receiver 21. You have him at wide receiver 28. Yes. I, the overall is a little bit higher uh, there. It's more in line with yours, but yeah, it's, it's, it's in the ballpark. It's the risk for me of, right. we just don't know. And as dynamic as you are, it's also a complete yo-yo. You know what I mean? Owning Tyree kill as we've gone through at great length on yep. this show in the past. And so given those two things, it's just, eh, I, I don't know that I want to be the person that, that punts on it, but uh, clearly a lot of people do. <laughs> they're, they're happy to take it on. Sammy Watkins is the number one receiver with Tyreek Hill out. I've got him at wide receiver 26, you at 32. And is that just, you know, the Sammy Watkins effect, the injury yep. history? That's it. It's Sammy Watkins. Just know what you're what you're hitching your wagon to. It's not yeah. it's not always pretty. And again, that's that's kind of the draft philosophy too, right? Is um for me, wide receiver 26 is probably going to be my fourth wide receiver. 
right? Like yep, exactly. The way that I draft and the way I build a lineup, that's probably my fourth wide receiver at that point. So I'm good with it at wide yep. receiver 26. And, wide receiver, but, and I'm good with it at wide receiver 32 because you'll be down there still in the four to five area where it's like, oh, perfect. So I've got, I've got, uh, well, more of the way I build a team, I'd have three running backs and he'd be my fourth guy anyway. But I'd still live with that. The upside player is McCole Hardman. He is the rookie that they drafted this season. He will take the lion's share of Tyreek Hill's targets if Hill does not play. And then, of course, he's going to work his way into the lineup one way or another. The kid was talented coming out of college. So, I mean, I've got him at wide receiver 52. I think he's a good deep sleeping uh, flyer if you're looking for somebody to pick up in the back end of your drafts. You've got him at wide receiver 67 right now. ADP has him at 50. Yeah. I'm, that's the thing about McCall Herdman. I see the raw skills, but he's got the opportunity, which is great. And he should get a chance to get on the field. It's just, I, I get all the positive markers, but I've never been completely sold on him. Even going back to when he was in college, I acknowledge he can play, but it's, it's just not, there are other guys I like better. That's just kind of the way it broke down. There's still some uncertainty with trusting rookies that, but I always kind of downgrade them a little bit in my rankings. It's kind of a theme. Uh, Travis Kelsey, of course, we talked about last week. He is both of our number Hold one on, tight ends. And before, also, to that point, I also like Demarcus Robinson significantly more than you, which is part of the thing with which downgrades McCall Hartman just a little bit. That's part that, of it. Also fair, yes. Uh, like I said, Kelsey, top end for both of us and was in our top 20 last week, so there's no need to really talk about that. And as I already mentioned, the Kansas City Chiefs defense is terrible. So we are moving on to the Chargers, the team that I think will actually win the West this year. The L.A. Chargers with our guy. I love you, Phil. Phil Rivers. Expecting his, what, 32nd child this this year or something like that? I mean, at least. Uh, So Phil coming in for me at QB 10, you at QB 12. We are always higher on Phil than everybody else. QB 17 for ADP, 16 for consensus. And of course, we are always right and they are always wrong. So, Because he's probably going to finish at 10. I dropped him two spots because he's getting older. Yep. <laughs> spots out of ADP. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, it, it, I, love not I, love, I love how predictable fantasy football is sometimes, Steve. You, how many years? You Every year it feels like. Every single year. Since so, time. Again, it's just no major additions or subtractions for them in the offseason. The Chargers are going to be good again on defense. They're going to be good again on offense. They have a decent schedule compared to everyone else in their division. They're going to be able to put up numbers and stats like they do every single season. And yet, every year, everybody's down on Phil Rivers, and I don't understand it. And I'm always able to grab him unless I'm in a draft with you near the back end in round 10, 11, 12. Because then I'm taking him. I just carry him. He yeah. just carries me all the way to the playoffs and beyond. Well, so the thing I always hear from people is, "Who throws too many interceptions?" And I'm like, "I'm sorry." <laughs> he also throws a million touchdowns, and they just keep throwing the ball for the years they couldn't run it in any way, shape, or form. And then at least now it's even better because at least they have a balanced attack. Well, we say that. So speaking of that balanced attack, we talked about Melvin Gordon last week in our top twenty. And, of course, uh, we're not going to talk about it too much because we already talked about the skill set and what he can do when he's there. The question is, does he pull a Le'Veon Bell? Does he sit out for an extended period of time, if not into the regular season? So we'll see what actually comes of that. It would definitely affect Austin Eckler's value and what oh, yeah. Eckler could bring to the table. And, of course, Justin Jackson. Yes. You know, where Jackson would rank overall and, and what his value would be. I currently have him way off the board at 107 because I feel like Eckler and Gordon just make him irrelevant unless one of them isn't playing. So if Gordon isn't playing, obviously that changes his rank and where he lands. Yeah, 100%. The only reason Justin Jackson gets listed is because of the work he did last year when Melvin Gordon went down. And Austin Eckler also went down. So Keenan Allen, a guy, again, we talked about last week in our top 20 uh, prolific wide receiver who's out there week in and week out every single season. Mike Williams is then now the wide receiver two definitively. Uh, there's been some question about that over the last couple seasons, but he is far and away right now, right? I would say as the number two. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. hundred percent. Cause you know, it goes off a cliff when you get to, to the, the third. And I think the, I, I like Mike Williams quite a bit this year. Cause I think the chiefs, 
I'm sorry, the Chargers. Uh, that that's why they felt so good about letting Tyrell Williams go. As they so saw, what- I you know I actually like Mike Williams, and I like what he can provide. Um, I like what he does in that offense, and I have him at wide receiver 32. Like I felt pretty comfortable about that 32 selection, and he's going 29 consensus, 28 in ADP, and you've got him 23. Yeah, because I think so, I mean, on that bone. I think he's going to have yeah. a monster season. I think you can. He, they're going to they're going to give him the run. I think is what's going to happen. He's going to be the guy when Keenan out with Keenan Allen out there, and he should draw lesser coverage. So I think they're going to give him much more responsibility because there's just all those mouths got to get fed. And then his the next guy down the list is all the way to Travis Benjamin, who's fine, but Travis Benjamin has really yet to prove he can play a 16 game season. Yeah, and we're both kind of in the same range there. Uh, yeah. Very low on Travis. So Benjamin. you take one of the receivers out of there, you add Keenan Allen's injury history to it, and I find myself in a world where I'm probably going to own Mike, Mike Williams a lot. Uh, you and me agree that Hunter Henry is the guy you want if you don't take one of the top three. At least in the sense that if you don't get one of the top three, he's number four uh, to say that. Uh, I think we would both agree, though, that our strategy is always if you don't get one of the top three, you're waiting forever and you're taking someone in the 10 to 15 range, right? Yeah, unless you're playing some sort of wonky league with draft pick trading. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what you're doing. You're going to want to Right, or if it's a tight end heavy league that you have to have a decent tight end, right? But, sure. Those, those I mean, I think uh, Evan Ingram is, for the most part, the consensus number four. Uh, Hunter Henry's number five, and he's going ADP six. So. Sure. Look, when he's out there, Hunter Henry is a fantastic athlete and a great player. Philip Rivers, we all know, loves to throw to the tight end in the end zone. So you can't argue with what they can do and what the production could potentially be for a full season of Henry on his own. But we've never seen a full season of him on his own is the problem. So, yeah, he never we never get the opportunity because he goes down. So it's unfortunate. So I'm hoping this is the year that that's all behind. We get the first full dose of what Hunter Henry can do. And then I mentioned the Chargers defense good again. I've got him as four. You got him as four. ADP four. has him as four. Consensus four. has him as seven. So okay, well then I'll own the Chargers defense. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I probably exactly. won't. Never mind. No, I no, won't. I always take defense last. One last thought on the Chargers because we didn't touch on it in the running backs. But what do you suppose? I see a lot of people talking about owning Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. You pro or con on that? I'm fine with it. And yeah, uh, so as we mentioned last week, the reason I'm fine with it is because if Gordon is out, Eckler potentially is an RB1. Also the fact that even if Melvin Gordon is in, Eckler's basically a flex. Yeah, and if Melvin so Gordon goes down... they're both usable on a weekly basis if they're both playing. Yep, and if and Melvin if Gordon Gordon's goes never down... Gordon's out of the lineup, yeah. You can just pick up Justin Jackson. You don't need to draft that. You can just pick that up later for the most part. You just gotta, just gotta be aware of it. And that's kind of the guy you're trying to target if anything happens. But I am also fine with the idea if you want to try and get Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler and just roll them both. But it's just rare that you get two guys that you would feel comfortable starting from the same team more right. or less every week. It's pretty interesting. Here we go. Getting ready for a hard knocks preview. <sighs> nice job, you f- kicker. Nice job. So we got the Raiders on hard knocks this year. So it's going to be an interesting one. Chucky. Again, I I feel like they misstepped. They should have waited until the Vegas season, the transition. I wanted the Giants this year. I kept saying it. I want Gettleman. I want more Gettlemanisms. Like it's oh come on. You telling me that's not going to be just amazing? Is Dave Gettleman walking around there? Oh come on. But big notes for the Raiders from the off season. They of course acquired Antonio Brown in the trade. Signed Tyrell Williams away from their division opponents in the Chargers. They signed Isaiah Crowell who subsequently tore his ACL, so they re-signed the muscle hamster in Doug Martin. Uh, Jordy Nelson no longer there. He has stepped aside and retired. And then they're uh, finally signed rookie running back Josh Jacobs. Derek Carr, still the encumbered starting running or uh, quarterback, I should say. There was a lot of speculation he'd be replaced this season. I feel like if they don't do well this season, he'll definitely be replaced next season. He's making way too much money to play as mediocre as he has been playing. So Derek Carr, I think, is not long for that Raiders starting job. The problem is behind him are two instant turnover machines in Nathan Peterman and Mike Glennon. So Yeah, you got them both. 
It's Gotta feel impressive. like you're pretty secure this year if you're Derek Carr, right? Oh yeah, this is the prove it year, though. He's right there with a the guy we're going to talk about when we pivot divisions. It's this is this is it. This is put up or shut up time for your for your starting job. And I only really have one question, by the way. Uh, you don't want Derek. I only have one real thing. Uh, Derek Carr, I have a QB twenty five, and that's that's being nice. <laughs> and uh, and the uh, the the issue with. Uh, with Derek Carr, just in general, is who when they replace him, who do you think Gruden is going to overreach for? Like, what guy have we never heard of that? Because you know he's been doing it in, like the last two drafts. What do you think? Where where are they going? Like, just way off the board. Oh, you got for next year. Tank for Tua, right? That's yeah. You know, that, no, that would make sense. See, you, you would think that, but then they get to three and they start taking guys that, like that are rated like fifty five consensus off the board. And you're sure. sitting there like, yeah. what's going yeah. on here? Like, so that's what I'm trying to figure out. Is like who's kind of average. Maybe that guy from Oregon who wanted to stay and play another year, but even that might be too good. <laughs> so I, that's what a mess. This whole this whole team roster is a mess. So Josh Jacobs is the rookie running back that they just finally signed. He is uh, coming in here as my RB twenty five, consensus twenty seven, ADP nineteen, your RB nineteen as yep. well. And I'm so nervous about it because it's a rookie. So I'm flying against my normal, uh, my normal hedging process. The problem is, is that the Raiders are going to be bad in all likelihood, and they're going to have to have someone shoulder load. It makes me nervous that he's from Alabama, but he has the skill set, the prototype to be extremely proficient in the NFL. He does everything that you would want a guy to do. He's big enough. He's fast enough. He can cut laterally. The one issue I have with him is the it's going to be pass blocking like all the rookies, but that's kind of where I'm at, and it scares the living daylights out of me. Like I have some confidence modifiers that that are at play with that as well. But so don't t- don't don't uh, don't say anybody didn't warn you because this has the potential to to blow up in your face pretty hard. And if I was going this way, I would get another running back possibly for the draft philosophy thing because this could backfire. But uh, all the intangibles are there, plus the opportunity, considering the rest of the list that we're going to go through of below replacement level players that he's going to be competing with. Sure. I mean, Jalen Richard, you have it 48. I also have it 49. So we're right in the same neighborhood there. The muscle hamster, Doug Martin's really the emergency guy. Uh, Chris Warren, the third Keith Smith, Deandre Washington, like nothing. A bunch of those guys aren't going to make the team and they're going to play special teams if they do. So they they are going to want to put their rookie out there and see what he's got. And I think you're going to get something pretty nice. But like I said, there is a significant amount of risk I have built into all. And it's a little bit tricky and a little bit scary. Neil, I have a feeling that last season's Le'Veon Bell topic that lasted throughout the year and just annoyed the bejesus out of me uh, is going to be this season's uh, Todd Gurley arthritic knee issue. That seems to be the hot button that everybody has an opinion about and wants to talk about. For me, though, the biggest hot button topic and issue is how do you rate Antonio Brown? Because as we've talked about, Antonio Brown without Ben Roethlisberger is a significantly different player. And it's not to say that Antonio Brown isn't talented. It's not to say that he can't put up numbers and be successful in another system or with another quarterback, but Derek, I don't like Ben Roethlisberger, but Derek Carr is no Ben Roethlisberger. The uh, no. Raiders' offense no. is no Steelers' offense. Not, not even close. No. So this idea that Antonio Brown is just going to waltz in and and be the same dominant player he has been kind of boggles the mind to me. Like right now, he is wide receiver seven for consensus. He's going ADP seven. Look, I've got him wide receiver 11 just because I feel like the volume is going to be there for him to be a low-end wide receiver one, but I will never own him because he's going to go way ahead of where I want him, and I'm terrified to have to rely on him week in, week out. And you're right there with me. You've got I'm him at, at 12. 12. I mean, I'm right there because it scares me to death because how many quarterbacks, if we, when Roethlisberger does go down, he like forgets how to catch the ball. It's when I don't understand has time like, over the last four years. Antonio Brown's benchable. Like yeah. he's not even flex worthy. Yeah, he's he's and they say it's Mike Vick because he was left handed. But it's like there's other examples. And Carr is not going to have the time. He's not as good as Roethlisberger is for 
for any of that. It, it just it scares me. He's going to get targets. There's going to be volume. Like I agree with you there. That's why I have him at twelve because you're gonna you're gonna see his name on the fantasy cast a lot. I just I'm concerned that a lot of the time it's going to be Derek Carr incomplete to Antonio Brown a significant amount of times to where you're going to be like pulling your hair out. Like it's it's just going to be so frustrating to Antonio Brown. And I'm willing to be wrong. Like I'm willing to be wrong here and not take the risk. And as I mentioned, Tyrell Williams coming over from the Chargers, he is going to be their wide receiver too now. I mean, he's going ADP 56. I've got him 64. You've got him 46. So you're higher than anybody. Yeah, and I love Tyrell Williams, like you know. But even then, it's not something you really want. It's like, oh, okay, cool. I I, I love Tyrell Williams. That's a thing if you go back through my – I think he's a great player. It's just – it's even what even look at what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Forty six. <laughs> it's not. It's not great. And then it goes off a cliff past JJ Nelson to Hunter Renfro, who is at least interesting. So we should just mention that Hunter Renfro is on the Raiders. So you know. Yeah, and outside of that, there's no tight ends worth mentioning, and the defense is certainly not worth talking about. So no, that's we really can just brush the by the rest of it. Does that help inform my Josh Jacobs ranking, though? It's got to go somewhere. Like, that's the opportunity. Like, he's right, not and that's there. my terrifying like, thing, too, is, like, it's there's a lot like, on Josh Jacobs, and there's a lot of people in on the Antonio Brown, and then you just look at the census and the ADP, and it just drops off to Tyrell Williams at 56. Like, how do you assume that Antonio Brown is going to get so much volume that he's going to be... 50 spots higher than the number two wide receiver on that team. Like that offense is so terrible yep. that it can't even have two viable receiving options. And you think Antonio Brown is still going to be a top 10 guy. I just don't see that happening. No, I like it. Like we've been, like we said, we should, cause we should pivot to the next division. But like we said, neither you nor I, and I hope anyone listening don't own Antonio Brown in fantasy football. Just don't, just don't pay for it unless he falls to you down in like you know the 12 13 14 spot then i'd feel a little bit differently about it potentially but still not a good call that's our psa for that so we're on to the nfc south starting alphabetically with the bucks tampa bay adding bruce arians as head coach coming out of retirement the former cardinals head coach they brought over byron leftwich the former Jaguars quarterback who was the offensive coordinator for the Cardinals the second half of last season, and Todd Bowles, the former Jets head coach, is now the D.C. there in Tampa. A lot of people optimistic about what can happen in Tampa Bay this season. They shipped off Deshaun Jackson back to the Eagles. They lost Adam Humphreys to the Titans, and all of that has the Chris Godwin hype train out of control. Get on, get in. We start with uh, Jameis, famous Jameis, Mr. Crab Legs himself, coming in at QB 17 for you. He is coming in at, hold on, let me double check this. QB, he's QB 12 for me. He's going QB uh, 15 in ADP, QB 11 in consensus. So, why are you so down on Jameis, Neil? Just the history? Have you watched Jameis Winston play football? Because I'll tell you what it'll do to you. It'll just drive you insane. Because the decision-making and just the things he does are so maddening. Because I'm not going to sit here and try and argue with you that he's not going to put up some numbers for you. He's going to have a lot of 300-yard passing games with possibly one to two touchdowns and many of them. He's he's also probably going to fumble the ball two or three times in the game, and he's probably going to throw two picks. And that's and that's my my knock on Jameis. If and this is the other guy, like I had a little, you know foreshadowed to earlier. This is it. This is the prove it year for Jameis. Like if Arians can't fix it, then I think the consensus will probably be eh, it may not be fixable. So <clears throat> this is kind of it. And I still think he's going to wind up QB seventeen. I'm kind of just out on it. And I've got other guys that I think are I'd be much happier you know, dealing with that just are less turnover happy than Jameis has been throughout his career. Yeah, I feel like once you're in the back end there, I mean, he's certainly a guy with the upside that with Bruce Arians led offense, with the fact that they're going to be trailing a bunch and throwing the ball a bunch, there's no more Fitzpatrick to try to take the job away from him. If there was any chance of him putting up big numbers and having a good season, this is the chance. And I mean, if you're going to roll the dice at the back end there and wait on QB, 
I feel like you could do a lot worse than Jameis. But moving on to running back, it's the same old story. I mean, it's Peyton Barber, it's Ronald Jones, it's Andre Ellington. It's a it's a modge podge of guys there. Last year, Ronald Jones was a late round flyer. For me, I'm super low on him this year. I feel like uh, out of the gate, it's probably Peyton Barber because he's the one that just won't die, right? He just won't yeah. go away. And he's not even like, no offense to Peyton Barber, but he's not even like, he's like average. You know what I mean? He's like NFL replacement level average. That's just kind of. Like, you have numbers. Peyton Barber at 40. Uh, I have him at 42. ADP has him at 45. The difference is Ronald Jones in that you have him at 49. I have him at 60 just because I've seen it. It isn't good. <laughs> I don't want it. Right. And ADP is 38. Wow. So have fun. You yeah. enjoy that. Yeah. The only reason I moved him up a little bit is because he was apparently killing it through the offseason and he added like 13 pounds of muscle. So and I think the opportunity is there because I don't know, like. One, it's those two guys, and then it's Andre Ellington, by the way, is who because it's Bruce Arians, which I thought was cute. He had to bring his he had to bring his friends with him, so he got Andre Ellington to come. And I like Andre yeah. Ellington fine, but it's not something that's going to work more than one or two games in the NFL. With yeah, compared any to everyone else, you love Andre Ellington. I mean, that's yeah. like a hot call for you at that point. Like, but that's but that's like you. I mean, you've got him at seventy nine, so it's not like you're saying, oh, you need to start Andre Ellington. Yeah, but I'm sure Andre Ellington's probably not even ranked by a lot of people. But like, yeah, I've got him at a hundred. Yeah, and the consensus is one twenty. He's going one eighty at running back. Right yeah, now. there you go. Because I don't think even a lot of people no. are even aware that he's there. But my point is, it's like that's it. It's just those two guys. Because Andre Ellington's just there to catch passes. That's that's all he's yeah. going to do. He's going to play third down back. That's, right. that's that's all I think he's there for. So it's just those two guys are going to duke it out, and I think. Peyton Barber will probably cede to Ronald Jones at some point throughout the year if he's going to, or unfortunately, if it doesn't happen and I'm wrong, then both of them are probably off the Buccaneers and on to different, different things. I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? This is kind of their last hurrah too. Something's got to, something's got to click. Break. Mike Evans, we talked about last week, uh, say, this top 10 guy for us. So Chris Godwin, as I mentioned, the hype train is huge. Right now, I've got him at wide receiver 19. He's going at 20 for consensus and ADP. You've got Chris Godwin at 22. Why do you hate Chris Godwin? I, I hate oh, him. Get oh, on board. Yeah, oh, I hate him. All three spots. <laughs> like, yeah. Wow. We all love Chris Godwin. Everybody. The universe. Everyone's uh, willing to this. He's a talented kid. He, he is. He's shown promise. And the fact is that... When he goes out there, there's no more Deshaun. There's no more Adam Humphreys. We've yeah. seen Adam Humphreys have value. They, yeah. Like he say, had PPR hey. value last season. So Chris Godwin kind of steps into that role and takes that position out there. And in a Bruce Arians offense, he's going to put up numbers. There's no exactly. doubt about it. I think that offense, even if Jameis turns the ball over and does dumb things, will still produce numbers for those two guys, My, them being Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And that's crazy because it's it, – he was like a waiver wire guy last year. So he's finally going to get like a real opportunity. And clearly I, I got to figure they, he, he more or less beat out the rest of them. You know what I mean? In their eyes where he was like, this is the one we'll just keep him and he can do everything. <laughs> and then, cause it goes off a complete cliff to Brashad Perriman. So just... OJ Howard, of course, top five guy in consensus. He's my seven year six. So we know the talent is there. And when he's given the full workload, he should be able to produce but outside of the top three, tight end is just tight end, yep. as we've talked about. So, I mean, he's a big upside guy, but do I want to pay the price tag? I'd have to to get O.J. Howard. Probably not. Uh, I also don't care about um, you know Cameron Brayton anymore. Their not defense is still horrendous. Horrendous, so yeah. That's really everything about None it. of that is worth having. The Falcons, meanwhile, Matt Ryan, we mentioned last season, very quietly finished the year as the number two quarterback. Um, he's looking to have another good year this year. I've got him at four. You've got him at five. Consensus is six. So we're all right in the same range on Matt Ryan. I mean, there's not really much to add there, right? No, I think it's just going to be another kind of walk in the park you know, type of thing for him. And it'll, it'll, 
it'll spit out a nice number for you at the end. You'll be right there in that top five range. So then it's Devonta Freeman, and that's the million-dollar question right now. With yes, Tevin sir. Coleman on to San Francisco, finally has the backfield to himself. He has shown in spurts he can be an RB1, even sharing the backfield with Tevin Coleman. So now that he has the job to himself, he is, in theory, 100% healthy. I've got him at 16. You've got him at 14. Consensus is RB17. So we're all right in the same range, high-end RB2 with upside, right? I mean, he's got the pass catching. He's got the skill set to run it in. He's, he's, he can do it all for you, the and offense you can do much worse. The, the offense moves the football as well. So you're going to get a lot of opportunities to keep to get him on the field again and again. And we also saw what Edo Smith could do as the backup last year. So it's not like he's going to steal carries away like Tevin Coleman. Nope, but at the same time, Edo Smith is a great guy. Uh, if you're going to go this strategy, make sure you just snatch that up. Uh, whenever possible, because that's a great insurance policy. I just look forward to potentially owning Devonta Freeman and not having to deal with the headache of Devonta Freeman just ran six carries for 82 yards to get me into the red zone, and I just had Tevin Coleman rush in a five-yard touchdown. Here comes Tevin Coleman. So, yeah, that being done is... That's super. Oh, so well, that's nice. different. That problem manifests itself somewhere else now. So we'll get to yeah, it. Yeah, of course. But, but yes. Yeah. Uh, it'll Julio, be nice we to... talked about last week. So we'll skip past him to Calvin Ridley, the rookie sensation from last year onto his sophomore season. He's a big breakout guy. He's a big play guy. You've got him at 21. I've got him at 20. He's consensus 25. So we're a little higher than the public is. But, Calvin Ridley, I think, could have a good year this year for sure. Yeah, I'm very, very uh, excited to see what he's going to be able to put down in year two. And uh, let's just, you know, what props him up is the fact that they always project, except for us, seem to want to project Julio Jones for eight touchdowns. And I feel like you could just cross that out right six. And then there's two touchdowns. The biggest, <laughs> the biggest uh, question mark here is what do you do with Mo Sanu? Because for me, Absolutely. I have Mohamed Sanu personally at wide receiver 36, 119 overall. Like that offense can produce three pass catchers for sure. Calvin Ridley is going to put up numbers and I've got him top 20 because I think he's going to hit a lot of home run plays. The consistent underneath pass catcher is Mohamed Sanu still on the outside. Unless I'm completely missing something here because Uh, I mean, you've got him at 45, which is fine. uh, It's still decent. Consensus is 64 and ADP is 69. Oh, then I'll own Mohamed Sanu a lot once I'm playing with you. Yeah, That's, exactly. Like I'm gonna cats, own man. Muhammad like, Sanu as my fifth or sixth wide receiver. Holy in cats! I thought in. I was a little low. I was like, I might be a little low on Muhammad Sanu, but no, I've got him as yeah. A and wide you're receiver. 20 spots clear. Of I've got him at wide receiver so. 45. I'm sitting there like, no, there's significant meat on that bone for you. We saw it last year because he's the PPR threat. He's the he's the guy as long as he's healthy that he's gonna run all that underneath stuff you're talking about. Your little comebacks and things like that across the face of the quarterback. Very interesting. Uh, you, yeah. So we again, I'm high Sanu. on Mo okay. Sanu. So yeah, we love. Are you Muhammad interested Sanu. in uh, Austin Hooper at all? Because I've been burned by that one too many times. Myself. I've got him at T tight end ten. So he's in that that neighborhood of maybe you'd start thinking about it. But at that point, consensus eleven. I've got him at fourteen. Again, you're just rolling dice at that point. That's and even there, I'd rather take someone who's going off the board a little bit more, like we've talked about, like a Jason Witten type who's going to give me more consistency that I don't have to worry about falling into the end zone like Austin Hooper. Yeah, because at 85, I'm probably still going to pass. I'm probably still looking at other things for my team, you know what I mean, rather than tight end at that point. So I'm not probably going to own Austin Hooper. I have him at 10. And then the uh, Falcons, Falcons defense, kind of garbage right now. Yeah, so. I got it at 19. It's not something you really want to play. Also, it's a brutal division schedule for them. Exactly. All, it's all the offenses. So we're on to the Panthers. Big question for them was Cam Newton and the shoulder surgery. I've got him at QB5. You've got him QB4. He's going consensus QB8, 10 in ADP. Cool. <laughs> we'll both so, I mean, look, a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, Cam Newton, we already have seen what he can do with his legs, not to mention the arm. And even if he's having issues throwing the ball, we already know who's behind him. Our number one overall guy is Christian McCaffrey. So it's not like they have to rely on his arm week in and week out. He doesn't have to throw the deep ball week in and week out. And that's not where his production is. His production value is the running the ball 
and the scoring and being their goal line vulture, basically. Yeah, exactly. He's the Mike Tolber of their team. I mean, that's that's all it is. So it's, I think they're going to have a different looking offense. It's going to look a lot more like it did towards the back half of last year, where it's going to be DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel and Chris Hogan, smaller guys out there with Christian McCaffrey, who is not himself like some bruiser, and then Cam Newton, who is this giant. And it's going to look a lot like that. I think they're going to try and do a lot of uh, lateral type of things, short passes, running the ball, passes to Christian McCaffrey, obviously. So I think the offense is going to look a little different than when the franchise was there and you would watch Cam try and hit him. You know what I mean? I think they're going to change it up a little bit this year, which is kind of influences all the rankings. Uh, Cam Payne is the backup to Christian McCaffrey, but not worth owning or mentioning. So we will move on to wide receiver where DJ Moore is kind of the darling of this wide receiver core right now. He's my wide receiver 30. He's your wide receiver 20 and consensus 24 kind of in the middle. So what do you love about DJ Moore? It's a dual threat. He's uh, he's a, he's a threat to touch the ball any number of ways. Whenever Christian Cam is himself, DJ is going to run a mix of routes. He's going to be running down the field. He's going to be running across the field. He's also a prime candidate to take handoffs out of the backfield. And with the departure of the franchise aforementioned, there's a lot of target share that just got opened up. And then also, too, uh, I'm not expecting a whole lot from Greg Olson, as we'll get into. And so I think the target share redistributes. And of the guys that are there, I think DJ DJ Moore is the right combination of traditional receiver, but also kind of lateral quickness, electric kind of guy. I think he's going to be their clear one. Definitely something I'm interested in for fantasy. Yeah, for me, the number two guy is then Curtis Samuel, which you agree uh, you're right around consensus. Consensus is 41. ADP is 45. You've got him 47. I'm down at 57. I just don't. I've never bought into the Curtis Samuel hype. Not a big fan. And again, I don't know how much he's going to be able to produce. I don't. I, I I love Cam's value, as I mentioned, because of his legs. I'm still on board with the I don't know how the arm is going to be. So that's why I'm kind of down on the wide receivers as a whole until we can see what Cam is able to do uh, coming out of the gate, and especially in the beginning of the season when he'll probably have some rust that he's got to shake off, at least initially. We also joked that there was no real news or notes to put in the Panthers section until they made the big acquisition of Chris Hogan. So, <laughs> yeah, way to go. You did it. You did it. Mommy. Got him. Got him. So, uh, yeah, don't own Chris Hogan. Just don't. Yeah. No, you might be I, like, oh, hey, the Patriots guy. No, don't do that. Just no, no, don't don't fall into that trap. The, the no. only other player really of note on here is a tight end. I would say it's Greg Olson, the aforementioned Greg Olson. And it's right. Just, it's a hot and even then, I mean, I've got him 15. You've got him 15. We're slightly higher than consensus. And I'm sorry, just at this point in his career, I think he's better suited for the Monday Night Football booth than he is for. Yeah. The NFL field. I mean, Which, his, the injuries have caught up to him. He's been pretty beat up throughout his career. I just don't, I, I can't envision myself relying on him week in and week out. I will say if something were to happen to him or if you're a dynasty player for sure, yeah. Ian Thomas is absolutely somebody that I'd want to own on my dynasty roster. He is certainly worth a bench spot, someone to hold on to for down the line. He is going to get the lion's share of the work. If not this year, then certainly next year when Greg Olson is definitely gone. Yes, and, and we saw last year when given the opportunity, Ian Thomas was a top five guy basically during those yes. weeks when he was. And the, it's because the, the offense has the tight end featured. That's part of why Greg Olson was so successful for as long as he was. But Ian Thomas, I completely agree with you. Dynasty for sure. But also, I look forward to writing about him in the waiver wire column again later on. It's a name to know. It's somebody that you don't want to draft. But when waiver time comes around, remember Ian Thomas because that's the he's a proven backup. And then, well, that's really. And then uh, the Panthers D, we're all wavering right around 20. Now, moving on to the final team of the NFC South, which is the Saints defending champions of the NFC South. You got the man, Drew Brees, the ageless wonder, my QB6, your QB7. Again, consensus 10. We're higher on Brees than everyone else, and that's fine. I'll own more Drew Brees than anybody. Yeah, that's, I'm good, good with that. With uh, I will live so. with that. I will live with that reality. Alvin Kamara, as we've mentioned uh, last week, a top three guy for both of us. Latavius Murray is now the backup with Mark Ingram heading off to Baltimore. 
Latavius Murray is nothing. I mean, he's not a slouch. I mean, he's not Mark Ingram, though. No, I mean, he's yeah, not terrible. Yeah. He will be able to spell Alvin Kamara, but the reason we were so high on Kamara is because with Mark Ingram gone, you know, Latavius Murray isn't going to steal the same amount of touches and carries that Mark Ingram was getting in there. So Latavius Murray is certainly an interesting guy. I've got him at 37. You've got him at 36. We're right in the same area. That's also ADP is 36. So again, it's no one that I'd want to rely on. And I don't know if you necessarily have to handcuff Alvin Kamara, but it's a position that will have the value if something were to happen to Kamara. So, well, and this is the other one we did the Chargers, and this is one of the other ones. Few situations like this, but it's one of the situations where I'd recommend you have Alvin Kamara, get Latavius Murray. There is the off chance one week that you might play them both. You know what I mean? Like it's it's yeah. rare, but he's he's almost I good. I guess enough. it's matchup dependent. That's what I'm really, saying. It's I wouldn't like with Eckler. I feel like I could slot him in flex. Every- yeah, every week. But I'm saying there's a matchup dependent scenario right. where I could see myself right. looking, staring that down and being like, yeah, I'll do it. But Latavius, says, to the greater point, he will be an insane waiver ad should anything happen uh, to Kamara. So he would be worth owning just so you don't have to go through the headache. Michael Thomas, we mentioned last week, so we'll move on to their wide receiver two. Uh, you've got it as Ted Ginn, wide receiver 58 for you, 146 overall. For me, Ted Ginn, not even ranked. Didn't make my list. Oh, wide receiver 80 in consensus. Uh, Traquan Smith, he's my 83. Consensus going 67-60 in ADP and 81 for you. Yeah. I wasn't really super impressed with it last year. I just, I just wasn't. No. He's got a lot of work to do. Yeah, for me, if there's another pass catcher that you want on the Saints and it's not Kamara and Thomas, I think it's very clearly Jared Cook. We've seen what the tight end in the Saints offense can do, whether it's been Ben Watson, whether it's been Jimmy Graham and the production he was able to put up. I think Jared Cook is going to be better than certainly what you got out of Kobe Fleener, certainly what you got out of Ben Watson, he's not going to quite be the Jimmy Graham numbers that you could talk about, but I mean, he's definitely going to be, if he can put up top five numbers with Derek Carr. Yeah, exactly. He can come in and play with Drew Brees. In a bad offense. In a bad offense. Defenses were rotating coverages by the end to Cook. That's how devoid of talent the Raiders were last year. And then the, uh, the Saints defense, look, they're much improved. I've got him at 12. Consensus is nine. You've got him at eight. I don't know how much I trust it, especially because of how difficult their schedule is going to be. Yeah. Um, when you get into that range, when you're talking top four, top five t- uh, defenses, just in general, I'm okay with spending a 14th, 15th round pick if I can get them in there. Otherwise, I'm basically looking at what's the schedule for week one? Who do yeah, I want to stream that's, initially? And that's, and that's kind of part and of it. And then I'm streaming the rest of the way. So. Yep. And I usually end up streaming, so there's definitely a lot of you can make a lot of hay that way so i actually probably wouldn't even the saints are just there because if it was at the end of the at the end of the draft and you're like all right i'll take it and if i can find a better matchup on waivers i'll cut them it's fine it's you're just picking whatever the best matchup is when the time actually comes so i've got work to do for the website next week neil and one out of town so uh we will take a break from the podcast that just started because that's that's how i operate yeah, so, well, we're under construction. We're under construction. Yeah, you, you don't become the Michael Jordan of mediocrity by <laughs> working hard. I'm just saying. So uh, in two weeks, we will return. And uh, when we come back, it'll be the NFC and AFC East. Have the East Coast vibe going. Yeah. All the training camps Man. will have started. So that'll be good. We'll cover all of New York. In oh, one yeah. fail swoop. Wow. Yep. We're going to get it all out of the way. Oh, man. I can just dry for a long time. That'll just get it right <laughs> out of my system. It's going to make it a short show. <laughs> God, I sh- hope so. It's going to make it a short show. Well, we're going to talk about Le'Veon Bell. So that might even So hopefully we'll have, uh, we'll have time to talk about news on that. But, it, I mean, follow us at nonsense underscore Steve at nonsense underscore Neil. You can follow us at Important Nonsense on the Fantasy Life app. I'm at Nonsense underscore Steve on the Fantasy Life app as well. And uh, you got your solo one set up yet? 
Not yet. Next week, though, when we get return, I will have everything. Right, well, there you go. But live. so as soon as you see the Neil one pop up at nonsense underscore Neil coming up. There you go. And then uh, follow our guy, Aiden, whose social handles I don't remember off the top of my head because I'm horribly prepared for this podcast today. So uh, shout out to Aiden. <laughs> shout out to I, Aiden. I can't give props oh, properly, but he's a, you can it's find it on the website. It's hashtag FF aware. Is it? Because yeah. hashtag would I'm sorry. I'm yeah. I'm I know that's how uh, good great I am. It's at at FF Aware. How great I am at social media. At FF Aware. But uh yeah, you can find him on the website as well. Importantnonsense.com for all of our content. Keep up with all the latest news and information. And until uh we talk to you in two weeks, just keep up the nonsense. Have a fortnight. You get it? Because it's two weeks. Yeah, no, no, I got it. Uh Music for the Important Nonsense podcast is provided by Lee Rosevear, Lame Genie, and Tri Tachyon. Thank you for listening, and be sure to keep up with the latest content on importantnonsense.com.